Hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Point Counterpoint. The only podcast that exists. Okay. So I'll backtrack a little bit. Um so it's true, I am the only podcast that exists. Everyone else is fake. And they're just a bunch of posers. They think they can be like me. Well, I'll, I'll prove them wrong. No, no one can be like me. Because I'm a unique, delicate little flower. <laughs> oh, I got stuff to talk about today. Well, first of all, um... There's a news story that recently surfaced today. Um, or actually yesterday, and it's based on a news story that I thought we were completely done with, but apparently not. So as I talked about before, there was a metal monolith that was found in Utah, and it disappeared um, within days. Well, that wasn't the end of the story, because another one has recently appeared in Romania. Now, do I think this is work of aliens or anything? No. It was just, it's just some modern artist, some sculptor, that thought it'd be cool to reenact 2000, a space-time, a space odyssey. But it's interesting. Um... So, here's an article from the New York Post. Um, Another mysterious monolith appears in Romania. And, uh, you know, there was a a guy that made a video uh, where he approaches it. Here it is. If it'll load. Come on. What? Okay, for some reason it doesn't want to play the exact video. It wants to play some cat thing. Alright, this will just take a moment. Here. So he's approaching it. Um, it's pretty clear when you look at it. It's not as it's the work is not as well made as the, as the other one. It's not the metal isn't as smooth. There's some de- you can see some dents in the metal. Um, some blemishes. can see the welding more but it's the same basic shape
I'm gonna predict we're probably gonna see a few more of these. I think there's gonna they're probably copycat artists that are doing this. Um, even though there's only been two, um, I'm gonna say that I'm gonna I'm gonna say that uh, it'll then based on based on this little pattern, it's probably all gonna be in re relatively remote areas. For example, the reason they didn't officially say where the first one was is because they didn't want anybody getting lost out in this remote area of Utah. Or maybe that's just what they say. Maybe there's a secret reason that they didn't say. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. But yeah, it was... So, I'll read. An, another mysterious monolith has surfaced in Romania days after one vanished without a trace in the Utah desert. The shiny triangular metallic pillar was found a few yards away from an ancient landmark called the Petrodava Dacian Fortress in the city of Piatra Niemt on Thursday. According to the Daily Mail, it measures 13 feet tall and one side faces Mount Kilau one of the seven natural wonders of Romania that is known locally as the Holy Mountain. The origin of the structure has Romanian officials as baffled as their counterparts in Utah. We have started looking into the strange appearance of the monolith, uh, named culture and heritage official Roscana, Roxana Josanu said, per the British paper. It is on private property, but we still don't know what the monolith's owner is yet. It is in a protected area on an archaeological site. Before installing something there, they needed permission from our institution, one that must then be approved by the Ministry of, our, of Culture. The discovery came as the questions persist, persist about the perplexing origin and disappearance of a similar monolith in the, in the remote d desert of Utah l last week. On November 18th, Wildlife officials counting sheep in a helicopter found the 11-foot-tall triangular structure surrounded by a rock formation. They did not re reveal its exact location out of fear that adventurous travelers would get lost in the remote area. But the case was cracked on Reddit days later, and by Tuesday, uh, visitors described a circus atmosphere full of YouTubers and confused government officials. Yeah, I saw that some people had visited. On Friday, by Friday, the installation was gone without anyone taking credit for the bizarre situation. We have received credible reports that the Ill illegal installed structure referred to as the, as the monolith has been removed from the Bureau of Land Management, public lands by, the unknown by an unknown party. On November 27th, BLM spokesperson Kimberly Finch said in a statement the agency did not remove the structure, she said. I don't know why a Black Lives Matter spokesperson is getting involved. Oh, no, but Bureau of Land Management. <laughs> oh. I don't know, maybe Black Lives Matter should just change the name of their organization so they don't, so it doesn't, they don't share an acronym with the Bureau of Land Management. Google Earth imagery shows that the structure appeared between August 2015 and August 2016. What? It appeared that long ago? No way. Hold on. 
But yeah, I mean, the Bureau of Land Management was first, so, you know, maybe Black Lives Matter should, you know, find a new name. <laughs> I'll have to check out that Google Earth thing. That seems pretty crazy to me. Yeah. For, for some reason, the thing's been there for four years about. I'm looking at a 2016 photo right now. Weird. Talk about the Utah one. Weird. Wasn't a, not a new thing. It just took us a long time to find it. Maybe the, maybe the sculpture died. And now no one can take credit for it. <laughs> that seems pretty... Oh, that sounds about right. I can believe that. Hmm. Yeah. So, um... What else do I have? Oh, yes. I have some little, little mini stories, some little pieces of flash, fic flash fiction that I'd like to read. Um, so, and flash fiction is just a little mini uh, short story. Just a usually just a line or two long that tells a, com a complete story. I'll, I'll, I can read the definition, actually, which will probably explain it better than I can. But I mean, it's not that hard to explain anyway. But you know, it's just you know, um, micro cuentos in Spanish, micro micro stories. But yeah, it focuses on extreme brevity, um, and it really focuses on you, the reader, forms this most of the story in their own head. It relies on the imagination of the reader. So it's a fictional work of extreme brevity that still offers character and plot development, identify varieties, many of them defined by word count include the six-word story, the 280-character story, also known as Twitterature. Never heard of that before. I should probably look into that sometime. The, I could do it now, actually. Uh, the Dribble, also known as the Mini Saga, 50 words. The Drabble, also known as, the, as Microfiction, 100 words. Sun Fiction, 750 words. Flash Fiction, 1,000 words. And Micro Story. Uh, some commentators have suggested that flash fiction possesses a unique literary quality and its ability to hint at or imply a larger story. So, I had a couple people send them in, and uh, I'll read theirs first before I read mine. Uh, first one was, uh, Everyone died. Oops. Uh, the other one was, uh, 
it's actually not complete, not real original, but you know, um, I did appreciate it. Um, Once there was an ugly barnacle. He was so ugly that everyone died. The end. <laughs> you might get that. Um, or the one I did. And he was instantly transported to a world where all the events he had stopped from happening didn't happen. Before I go into the Twitter thing, um, that kind of, I'll, I'll hit on that in a bit. Um, it kind of hits on a interesting thing I was I was listening to earlier on the Mindscape podcast with Sean Carroll. He's, he's a he's a physicist. He has a, a very interesting podcast. Brings on all sorts of guests. Uh, in this one, it was just him talking about how about the ways that time travel if it could work at all possibly how it would work and how you know basically all the movies are wrong about it like for example um, there's some movie that he referenced I didn't recognize it actually but apparently there's somewhere some bad guy went back and cut off the guy's fingers when he was a boy and then he could see his fingers fading away Uh, first of all that's the if you First of all, the generally accepted idea is that you can't change things that have already happened. Like, like you, you know that it, you know that it happened, and so no matter what you do, it's going to happen. You, if you try to change it, you will fail. Like, you're you're not going to go back and kill your grandfather uh, to prevent you from being born because you existed you know you existed and you know that you know that you're going to fail and so you will fail it's called the grandfather paradox I don't I you could make the same idea with the father paradox as well (laughs) oops (laughs) but yeah so if you went back in time to try to kill baby Hitler, you knew you know you will fail. And also, who's not who's to say that someone else that's as bad as Hitler, worse, or, or worse than Hitler, um, or maybe even marginally better but still terrible, wouldn't wouldn't take over instead? Like we know that anti-Semitism was a was a major problem at the time. Not just then, but before then, and even after. We know that they're killing him isn't going to kill anti-Semitism. There's still going to be people that want to eliminate the, the Jews. So you really can't change history, and even if you, and if you did change history, one idea that might happen, and again, this is this is just this isn't proven or anything, but it's a, it's a possible it's a possibility. 
So one thing that could possibly happen is you are instantaneously brought to uh, the other world's theory comes in. Brought to another world where maybe those events did take place. You kill Hitler and you go to another world where Hitler was killed as a baby. But you're not going to... St so you, suddenly you're... This, the self, your own self is suddenly brought into another world where that happened. And who knows what that world would be like? Who knows? In fact, um, this is just my this is just my personal thoughts. Um, I'd say maybe you couldn't change anything at all. Maybe you couldn't even change a blade of grass. Because who knows? Um, who knows what would happen if you went back in time to 1654 and you uprooted? No, no, no. Let's say. Uh, let's say you go back to 1066, the Battle of Hastings, uh, the Norman invasion of England, and you uprooted, or just before the just before the battle, and you uprooted um, some plant, some shrub, and maybe knocked over a thing of water. Um, because of that, maybe the a horse didn't get something to eat, and he didn't get anything to drink. And here's where I paraphrase up an old poem, an old saying: um, "For for want of a horse, a rider is lost. For or f the the horse dies, and for want of a horse, a rider is lost. For want of a rider, a message is lost. For want want of a message." A battle is lost for want of a battle. A war is lost for once. For want of a war, a kingdom is lost, and all for a want of a shrub. Of course, the original, the original poem was based on a on a nail, a horseshoe nail. But you, I hope you understand the connection I'm making. It's it's pretty it's pretty simple. <laughs> Yeah. Like just tiny little things. You go back in time and um, you go back to the year. Uh, oh, let's say nine, 19. Uh, 1950, say 1950, and you go to a dance, 
and they're playing they're playing some you know uh, some Chuck Berry wait a minute was Chuck Chuck Berry was in the 50s but was he in 1950 specifically I think he was um, they're, they're, they're playing some music you know and um You, let's see, you go in, you take a glass of punch, and you fill it up, and you drink it, and because, you did that, that was one too many cups that were being used, and when a pretty young thing, she comes walking up to the punch bowl and there's no more cups and no she, she comes up and she takes the last cup and then uh, at the same time uh, a guy was uh, was gonna walk up to the table and uh, but they noticed that there weren't any cups so he just turned around right back around before he showed up there and because you know, no more cups can't have the punch, and so we just walked away, and so we never met that girl. And that was your grandparents. Oof! You just killed yourself by drinking punch. And no, I'm not making a reference to Jim Jones. Pun not intended. Knocked him out with one punch. Wow, that was a, that was that was one, that was one dark pun right there. Very, and I was and I was un, unintentional there. Puns are fun, but you don't know what'll happen, which is some little action. So. That's my homework for you today. After, after you listen to this podcast, I want you to go out and just be mindful of every action that you do. I mean, I don't, you don't have to be like this 24-7. That's, that puts too much of a strain on your cognitive resources. You only have so many to, to use. But, you know, just from time to time, just be in the moment and be very aware of what you're doing. And this is kind of a mindfulness practice. And that's why, that's partly why, um, you know, in mindfulness, they always say to focus on the breath. Very, very, very easy to focus on that. Or at least theoretically, as you mean, some people will have trouble focusing. But you understand what I'm saying. Um, and then what was it, what was I going to say related to that? Um, um, hmm. Whatever.
But anyway, just the just the action of one little one little thing just has a ripple effect. You know, you throw a rock into a pond and you see the rings going out from the from that from that center. You know. Yeah. But anyway, um that whole idea was kind of what I was touching on in in the short story I just wrote. I Let's see, it's I believe four pages long. Um It's kind of a it's a time travel type thing. I tried to stay as realistic as possible. Um Try not to have any unrealistic time machines such as um such as the movie The Time Machine. <laughs> Which despite despite its inaccuracies is actually was actually a step forward I would say. Just by the fact that it shows that time is a thing that is, is another another dimension. I mean, obviously, there are many dimensions. There's four that we're aware of. Three we're very aware of. A fourth we kind of have a vague concept about, but, you know, our our language isn't really tailored to see time uh, as, an, as another dimension. Um, Another idea, um, first of all, we're always seeing the past, like, you know, it takes, it takes time for, it, just nanoseconds, but it takes time for the, the light from objects to be processed in our brains, um, and so we're using that past information to predict the future, but we're, we're constantly living in the past. Although our, we, we live in the, we physically live in the present, but we cognitively live in the past. As we sail through time at a rate of one second per second. Moving on. This is a bit of a jump here. But if you look at the idea of teleportation, like uh, like the, the beams in Star Trek, I don't know what they're called, I don't, I don't know Star Trek. Beam me up, Scotty. Is the being that is beamed down to a planet or beamed up to the ship, is that the same person? Did the person die and were reassembled? I mean, they 
have some sort of psychological continuity. Because, you know, all their memories are there. But there's... Certainly what essentially happened is... Uh, they were... Beamed down at a very... At probably close to the speed of light. I, it's, I, I, not knowing much about Star Trek, I think it's a beam of light that goes down there. Like their particles travel as like photons. And so they arrive at an extremely fast rate. Whereas um, they essentially were time traveling. Because if there was two copies of them, one went down to the Earth. And maybe a better example would be that, like the twin idea. Um, if you had two, if you had a pair of twins that were born at the same time, and one went up in a rocket and went at the speed of light, or even just really, really fast, really close to it, the one that was going really fast would not have aged as much. As for example, uh, if if you went, for example, past this field, you could arrive somewhere before you, before you departed. And so that's a way of going back in time. In fact, they've even taken two atomic clocks that were synced up to be exactly in, in sync. And one went on a, a fire, a jet, a very fast jet that was uh, flying ar around for a while. When it came back, it was it wasn't a lot of difference, but it was a no it was a noticeable um, fraction of a second difference. The one that was in the jet had experienced less time. Okay. Okay. Okay, that's enough. Flash fiction. I wanted to look at so, you know, genres of it include adventure, comedy, drama, epic, erotic, nonsense, lyric, mythopoeia, rogue, romance, satire, speculative fiction, tragedy, and tragic comedy. What's up with this nonsense? Literary nonsense. It seems like something that'd be pretty stupid. But let's see, nonsense writers include people like Douglas Adams. That's true. I like him. Um, Lewis Carroll. I'll just mention ones that I recognize. Eric Idle. James James Joyce. Uh, Sean Lennon. Uh, Dr. Seuss, Gene Shepard, Alan Watts, apparently Bob Dylan's done some stuff as well. Uh, some song called Tombstone Blues. Well, 
We'll find out about that. Here. Here. Okay, not that one. Cover, no covers. Okay, I'll just I'll just play his.
Okay, so that was Bob Dylan, Eric Clapton, and Santana. Um, I don't really know Clapton as well. I I don't I haven't listened to really much uh, much at all of him. I just know that he said some. I'll just say some controversial things. Um, he's expressed support for some controversial fellows like. Uh, Oh, he's, he's British, so, you know, Enoch Powell, um, who, Enoch Powell had a rather infamous, um, let's see if I can find, if I can find his, his little speech that he had. Oh, it's kind of long, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It was... It got a little weird. I'll just say it got weird. <laughs> I'd rather not read it. It's too long to read. Yeah. Yeah, the river's a blood speech. Um, but yeah, I got a little off track there. Um, so anyway. Flash fiction. Twitterature. Um... Use of microblogging surface of Twitter. It includes various genres, including aphorisms, which is a concise, terse, laconic, or memorable expression of general truth or principle, um, poetry and fiction, or some combination thereof, written by individuals or collaboratively. The 280 character maximum imposed by the medium, upgraded from 140 characters in late 2017, provide, provides a creative challenge. Yeah. So it has some examples here. Aphorism example. The most effective way to learn is by devoting oneself to a single subject for months at a time. The opposite is school. Well, well, I don't know. Um, there was a, a poetry example. Augusti okfas dit arhit isolin kans dit ibland kans it Det ibland som um jag feller har glost mot hopsten. I don't know what I just said. I'm gonna Google translate that. Okay, here it is. So I said, August, and even though it's hot, in the sun, it feels sometimes, it feels sometimes as if I falling, handless, towards autumn. Okay, a 140-story example. I was mowing the lawn. I appeared at my neighbor's immaculate yard. His grass was literally greener. Then a meteor fell atop his lovely house. Twitter novels. I've grown to like small places. I like bugs, bug homes, walking stick bugs, blades of grass, ladybugs, ferris wheels made out of dandelions. Or, um, William Mortimus Granger was beside himself. In fact, when his body was found, the top half was right next to the bottom. 
Collaborative work. Sam was brushing her hair when the when the girl in the mirror put down the hairbrush, smiled and said, We don't love you anymore. Ouch. So Twitterature, uh, a genre of, a subgenre of flash fiction. Seems fun. So if you want to try that out, take to Twitter and make a little story. You might you might be glad that you did. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, next thing I wanted to get to was a post that I saw on social media. Okay, and um, it was it was basically saying, well, said literally, the school system is severely ableist, and here is a thread of some of the reasons why. Now, some of these I can see. Some of these are really just the definition of school, and really, I don't see where they're coming from here. It's because they had a lot. So I'm not going to go into every single one of these because there's too many. They had a lot. <laughs> I'll say it again because it's important. Losing, well, they spelled losing wrong. Loosing, I'll, I'll read, I'm going to say these as they wrote it, okay? Loosing marks on something because it was handed in late. Forced physical education which obviously if you're in a wheelchair um, they're gonna understand if you can't if you can't dribble the same way others can okay um, or whatever whatever the sport is okay um, forced presentations forcing students to speak out in front of the class forcing students to participate in group work Mass banning of fidget toys. So these are just, they're just so stupid, I'm not even going to entertain them, okay? Points taking, taken off of presentations, reading passages for studying or fidgeting. I don't, I've never even heard of that. Losing points for stuttering? Time tests in work. Have you never heard of people getting, people, people in need of, of extra time receiving that time. Have you never heard of that? Marks deducted for messy handwriting. That, that one, in some cases I could see that. In some cases, depending. Depends how messy it is. Like, because there come, becomes a point when, it's, when, like, I've seen handwriting sometimes and I, I don't know what it's saying. It's, 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 quite literally unreadable. I can't I can't look at it. It's not useful to me. Not offering sign language courses, making sign language a mandatory or making sign language a mandatory course. Some schools do not have these as an elective, but most do not. So like my, at my high school of course it was an option to do ASL. So what are they saying? It shouldn't be mandatory, but it should be offered. That's oh, that's actually okay. I think that's a good thing. It should, it still should be offered. Being punished for having meltdowns, disrupting the class uh, during class. Um, well, obviously, if you if you have some disability, you shouldn't be punished for that. Like if 
like for example if you are autistic and you have a meltdown in class um it's obviously you have a you have a condition that explains why that happened if you are not though you should not be disrupting okay um, getting yelled at, punished for stimming during presentations and tests. St taking away any objects students are using to fidget with. Not letting students move around fidget. Okay, um, yeah, you should let them move around. Not allowing students to listen to their own music while they work. Teachers saying, you listen to the music I want to play or you listen to no music, aka teachers forcing students to listen to their music. Rewarding students for participating, lowering students' marks for not participating, marking students on organization skills. The whole grading system that way, not sure if all schools do this, but on report cards we would get marked for organization, responsibility, participation, ETC. Not allowing gum in class because it's distracting. I don't see how that's ableist. Okay, that's just... Have you seen what kids do with their gum? Have you seen what happens when it gets in carpets? It's disgusting. And it's disgusting when it's under the desk as well. Rewarding students for not missing days. Lowering marks for not having eye contact in presentations. Lowering marks for not having... Oh, yeah. Not having ramps, elevators. Well, legally, I'm pretty sure schools are supposed to have something... Mine certainly did. Both. There were some ramps, weren't there? Certainly a couple elevators. A few elevators. Yeah, and there's a couple ramps. Uh, marking students based on performance in gym class. Forcing students to... I've never heard of that. Forcing students to do... Well, actually, maybe I have heard of that, but I just... yeah. Forcing students to do group projects because interacting with other people is good for you. Uh, well, it it is. Not allowing students to go for walks if needed. Forcing students to go outside for recess. Not allowing students to go for walks if needed. Uh, forcing students to go outside for recess. You're saying that we should... Being outside is healthy. We, we should be outside as much as possible. Calling neurodivergent students gifted or special? Well, some are. But obviously, um, uh, the autism is on a spectrum. It's called Autistic Spectrum Disorder. And there are two, two ends to that. There's the severe version, which is, you know, obviously, like, you can't function properly. Like, you know, like, it's, it's all the, all the symptoms of autism brought to the extreme. Basically, you just, sometimes it's severe enough that, like, you're just, you're very, very handicapped. But then there's the high-functioning side, it used to be called Asperger's or Aspies, um, and th those ones are the ones that they, the ones that people would call gifted or special, you know, so it could be a number of things. It's usually things with lots of patterns, um, like math. That's Temple Grandin. Um, also, there's a lot of artists in there. Maybe they have very, very good memories.
Okay, moving on. Grading students on their ability to read tones in text. Never heard of that. Continuation of the last one grading... I don't know what school this person goes to. Continuation of the last one grading stu students on their ability to read between the lines and infer what the character is feeling. Randomly calling on students. Uh, well, that ensures that they're ready. Reading out the names of students who have not completed their work. Okay, don't call people out. Using the neurotyp neurotypical teacher's pet street A student as an example while lecturing the neurodivergent students on how to properly behave in class. Uh, stopping class and making the whole class look at a kid who is not paying attention or is distracted. Not allowing phones or devices at any time, especially lunch. How is that? How is that a negative thing? Really? Oh, it's ableist to, to not allow phones in class. Uh, how about it's just you shouldn't be on your phone? Okay, it's distracting to you. It's doesn't show. I know this is. I know this is stereotypical, but it doesn't show respect. Um, we can't. We're not good multitaskers. We have to constantly divert our attention between sources of information. Um, forcing students to sit in their seat and stay seated for multiple hours at a time. Uh, assuming students silence when teachers ask something as rude. When the teachers ask something as rudeness, simply forcing us to do uh, something. That's worded strangely, simply forcing us doing we're not comfortable with and we need to just for grades. Please share, retweet, I mean, okay. But yeah, that wasn't fun to read. That was kind of hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fun fact, um, Cupid's Kettle Drums. Victorian era slang for woman's breasts. Okay. Yeah. Um. I want to read a couple quotes here. Now, you may. I'm not sure if any of you are aware of this man, but uh, his name was Christopher Hitchens. He's a rather, a rather famous uh, philosopher. Uh, yeah, he was an uh, English intellectual, a polemicist, socio-political critic. Uh, he expressed himself as an author, orator, essayist, journalist, and columnist. He was a co-author, editor, co-author, editor, or co-editor of over 30 books, including five collections of essays on culture, politics, and literature. Uh, he died in 2011. Um, quite, fa quite famous. Um, but he had a couple quotes here that I wanted to share. The first one is... The true essence of a dictatorship is, in fact, not in its regularity, but in its unpre unpredictability and caprice. Those who live under it must never be able to relax, must never be quite sure if they have followed the rules correctly or not. And his other quote, uh, which is a similar sentiment, 
The essential principles of totalitarianism is to make laws that are impossible to obey. And this goes into uh, uh, Brett Weinstein's idea of the low posted speed limit, so, so low that reasonable drivers will inevitably break it, um, and uh, you can punish those that you like. The law itself isn't bigoted, but it allows bigotry to flourish. Uh, you can uh, constantly looking over your shoulder, you know, you're not quite sure if you've done something wrong or not. So, a couple connections here. One is, one real, real briefly, so the, the Articles of Unity movement was a movement, I think I've talked about it before, um, to choose two candidates, one from the right, one from the left. Um, one, one, would, one would be president, one would be vice president, um, and, but they would act as a team during the four years, and then after four years they'd switch roles and run as the other person as president and vice president. And So it was just exp it was just offering a, another another option to the to the two evils, you know. So it had we had our you you have to choose the best of two evils. Well, the best of two evils is still evil. So it offered another option, and the account was banned on Twitter. And you see, these community guidelines that these that these companies have are so vague that you don't know if you're breaking them or not and so it, it really it keeps people in fear it's really it really is a form of dictatorship uh, another another uh, brief connection um, would be the fact of Governor Governor Gavin Newsom, with his little uh, his little party that he had uh, with many people, at a very expensive what I call flu flu restaurant, which. So obviously we have these we have these COVID rules, but at this point we're not really sure who can follow them or not because he was clearly not wearing a mask nor was anyone else at the table and so we don't know what's happening now I'm okay with I'm okay with mask rules but I want everyone to follow them I don't want people like Gavin Newsom to be suddenly getting away with it I wear a mask. I um, I wear a mask a lot, all the time. All the time. I just everybody needs to follow it equally.
But yeah, but here's a little video that I saw shared. Uh, I might play a little bit of it. Tonight I am authorizing the city to shut off Los Angeles Department of Water and Power Service in the egregious cases in which houses, businesses, and other venues are hosting unpermitted large gatherings. For those that don't know, this is the mayor of Los Angeles, the guy who said he'd shut your water and electric off if you have too many people at your house. Yeah, recreating Woodstock 69 on Hollywood Boulevard's okay, though. He doesn't have anything to say about that. Nah, he joins it. I want to invite the leaders of this organization inside so we can continue a conversation. But the moment he catches wind that Cousin Eddie's coming over, that's when he'll take your basic life essentials away. You know, like your ability to shower. He'll okay. Okay, you can find that on Joe Rogan's Instagram page. Um. Yeah. But yeah, we need to apply it equally across the board. Nobody is exempt. Alright, cheers guys. It's been Lit Fam. Namaste. This has been Chris Wright with KUST University of St. Thomas Campus Radio. Namaste. Give me a big kiss.